Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Rome Business Radio. My name is Roger Manus. We are broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. And we are thrilled today. We have a special guest, Dr. Clemmy Watley, a native of Chubtown, in the, uh, located in the greater Rome, Cedartown, Cave Spring metropolitan area, as I like to say. Uh, how are you, Dr. Watley? Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, I'm, I'm doing well, thank you. Well, we appreciate it. We, there's so much to talk with you about. Uh, first and foremost, the reason why you are appearing on Rome Business Radio is, is to talk about your book about the Chubb family. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the book and the, its focus on Chubbtown? If people don't know the story, just give us a little broad overview of what your book is about and the Chubb family. All right, I'll start by telling you how it originated, and and that is um, because of our cousins, uh, football uh, famous cousins Nick and Bradley and Brandon. We, I was getting a lot of information or uh, requests uh, about the Chubb family, and people wanted to come and view Chubb Town, and we did special events there at the church uh, for them uh, during that time. Well, with all the requests and knowing that my mother, who was the one that people used to come to all the time to find out about the Chubb, uh, she was getting older. And I thought, we need to have something written so everybody will understand what's there. So I started on on that challenge of, of um, trying to develop a book that will pull everything uh, together. So that's how how I got started uh, with the book, and and then on on the way and during the research, I um, met a gentleman who was a genealogist who was very helpful in making that uh, the book uh, come to fruition, uh, etc. So that's how the book got started. Um, and we found out so many interesting things. There was uh, some things we knew because one of my cousins, Kenneth, Kenneth Jones, had already written a book on the Chubb of Chubb Town, which I use as a basis for start. But then with the improvement in technology now and, and being able to get retrieve more documents, we were able to find out a, a lot of uh, interesting material that we didn't have before uh, about the Chubb family. And for those who don't know, Chubbtown was a free African-American community, uh, literally during slave times. Um, yeah. And, and, and post post Civil War. So in, in Northwest Georgia. So that in itself is a unique story. How did how did that happen? Uh, yes. So what happened? Uh, my ancestors, uh, before moving to the Rome Cave Spring, Spring area, they were living in um, Caswell County, North Carolina prior to that. And and. Um, and th even then, in the early 1800s, um, Isaac Chubb and Nic Nicholas Chubb, his dad, owned property in Caswell County, uh, North Carolina. Uh, but for some reason, at the end of the uh, 1820s, he lost the property. And the family, most of the family migrated from North Carolina to Georgia. Uh, 
Now, uh, Nicholas didn't come himself. He moved to um, another county in North Carolina, Guilford County, where he was living with his uh, daughter. But so the family came, my side of the family and the uh, side of the family that uh, formed Chuptown first moved to Morgan County, uh, Georgia. And they were there for about 25 years. And during that time, if, if you were a free Black, you had to be registered to someone white. And I found their registration records. And what happened is the man uh, which they were registered to moved from Morgan County to Floyd County. And the family evidently followed him from Morgan County to Floyd County. And uh, right before the Civil War, they were able to buy property um, from their registrar and began to form uh, Chubtown. So that was in the 1860s, uh, early 1860s that they began to form uh, the, the town of Chubtown. So this is your family. We're talking blood kin. That's correct. Uh, and well, it's a fascinating story, obviously, because we all know the history, the stain on American history with with uh, slavery. But the fact that this family, your family, had this fortitude to uh, not only be free in that turbulent time in that in this part of the country, but then to proactively buy property and set up a town. I mean, the town was a thriving little, it was a town, you know, it it had businesses and people would, white people would come to conduct business in Chubtown, correct? That's, that's correct. It was a self-sufficient community, grist mills, cotton gins, um, and uh, woodworking carpentry. Uh, they had everything there where they could be self-sufficient in, in, in their own community. And I, I understand as far as farming that they were some of the best farmers around in the area. And everyone would come uh, to Chuptown to buy products. And they were also known for their syrup. And uh, people would come from around to purchase syrup from uh, the community. And I think another interesting fact about the community is that they formed an organization that would help anyone if they were sick or if they had problems or if they had financial issues. Uh, the people in the community could come to this organization and request assistance. And so they were available to help one another farm or to help one another if they needed financial aid. So this was not just uh, a person or a family struggling to survive or live. This was a family with a big vision. This was a family that was thriving, uh, thinking thinking beyond themselves. They were thinking community. They were thinking entrepreneurially at a time where that was just unheard of. This is a fantastic story. Yes, yes. And and, uh, the whole entrepreneurship of the family, you know, it started back in in Virginia, really, because one of the skills that the family had, which was that of blacksmiths, and I believe the blacksmithing skill has really took them over a 200-year term 
uh, as being able to provide for themselves. And of course, they develop the other skills. And even if you look at the 1870 census, you'll see that how the brothers, there are eight brothers and three sisters, how the eight brothers and the skills that they had were a variation and how it would support the community. Well, eight brothers and three sisters, that's a town right there. Yeah, it is. is. They start getting married and having kids. Yes, that's right. That's that's why I think it it really, the community really grew once they moved into the area. And in addition, other families, other Black families started moving into the area uh, adjacent to the Chuck family. Were you able to trace far enough back in the genealogy? I believe the the one you mentioned farthest back was Nicholas in North Carolina. Mm Who who was the first in the family tree to get freedom, and how did they do it? Do you know? Well, um, what happened is there, Mary Chubb, she um, she was an indentured servant. This was you know prior to um, slavery, and and after indentured as an indentured servant, after serving a period of time, then she would be free. So the the freedom area part of the family came from there. They, my mother used to say, well, the Chubb family were never slaves, but that's because of the indentured servant. And then even back, Nicholas was free. You look back at his records and um, where he purchased the property and he was shown as a free uh, black man back in the early 1800s. So it derived from him. Even um, I found documentation that in uh, 1806 where he bought a slave, which I'm I'm thinking it was a woman and was probably his wife. Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) Some of these stories break my heart. uh, Yes. Based on on the world it was. Uh, Yeah. What... um, so uh, I've got a, I've got a million questions. I'm trying to sort them out logically in my brain. Uh, mm-hmm. an, another thing that troubled me, as you touched on earlier, was that e- even though they were free, they still had to register with a white person uh, yeah. in, in in Floyd yeah. County in order to buy the property. So for those yeah. who don't know, the the original Chubb Town was kind of pocketed in there by between Cave Spring and Cedar Town, right? Is where the that's correct. And what mm-hmm. what, what remains from from the town uh, today? Yeah, today what remains of um, of the community is the church, Chubb Chapel, United Methodist Church. It's on the National Register of Historical Places, and uh, the cemetery uh, is still there. And it's, um, we still keep the cemetery up. Uh, relatives and friends are still buried there in the in the cemetery. Um, those are the only portions of uh, of the community that still remain. You can see remnants of, of steps going down to the creek from where the grist mill was and things like that. But uh, uh, those are the, the uh, two pieces. So we really work to maintain and uh, to keep the church going, we still, it's an active church. We still have services there uh, in the church 
uh, prior to COVID, that is, and, um, and, and, and it still serves the community. We have, uh, when we have homecoming and special events at the church, we have um, relatives and friends that really come back and support us. So the, as the town was, is taking root post-Civil War, uh, and and you talk about grist mills and syrup and and things like that. How big did it eventually get, like population wise or economically? And what happened to it? Oh, okay. Uh, now, um, my mother would say at at the largest, the uh, it was about twenty five hundred acres of land, mm-hmm. um, and that includes the family that moved in into the uh, area. Etc. And what happened is, um, as far as the number of people, um, I would estimate probably around a thousand or so at the height of the community. What happened is in the early 1900s, um, a flood uh, evidently came through a major flood and destroyed a lot of the bu- uh, businesses because. If you, the businesses were built along uh, uh, Creek, Spring Creek and uh, Big Cedar Creek. And uh, at the same time, uh, it was a time when a lot of, um, of uh, black people in the South were migrating from the South to the North, sure. looking for better opportunities. So we had a lot of our um, kinfolks were leaving and moving to the North. And so with, with the exodus of, of our people, there were really no one to maintain, especially knowing that farming was the big industry uh, in, in the area. There was no one to, to maintain like it was previously. Uh, who owns the land now? Is it still in the family, some here and there? Yes, portions of the land is still in the family other portions of the land have been bought by um, other people, you know, in in the area. But uh, I I I would estimate my estimation would be maybe about five hundred acres still belong to family members. Okay, that's fantastic. And and the the church is self owned by the church itself. Uh, yeah, we're United Methodist Church, so you know we're part of that particular entity. And, uh, yeah, so uh, as members, we're responsible for the ongoing upkeep because even though I don't live in K-Spring anymore, I still go, I'm still an active member of Chubb Chapel. And it's called Chubb Chapel. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Um, w- let's talk about your background because another fascinating thing about uh, not only you being related to this story, so I'm sure – Part of your fascination with the story was it's your family history, and it, yeah. it, you, you eventually p- have put it into this book. What's the official title of the book, by the way? Uh, the official title is The Chubbs right. of Free Black Family Journey from the Antebellum Era to the mid-1900s. And, and the reason I, I chose that is it, it defines the period of time that we did the research and in, in the 1930s, the last of the eight Chubb brothers and three sisters had passed away in 1930. So I, I ended the book with the passing 
of the last brother. So, uh, and and I know this is, we're talking relations here. Um, so one of those brothers, eventually, that's that's Nick Chubb's uh, family tree, right? The NFL player yes, who used to yes. play at the University of Georgia. Yeah, Nick and I, we're both descendants of Henry Chubb who was the second oldest of the um, of the eight brothers. And he was considered as the leader of the family at the time they moved to Chubtown. So you, you would see uh, his name a lot on the property deeds, et cetera, uh, during that time. So are you and Nick cousins? Or is he a nephew? What's the... <laughs> yes, he, he's my cousin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that, that, that can all get complicated when it's once removed, yes, twice yes, a second yes. cousin, you know, things like that. Yeah, it, 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 yes, definitely. <laughs> we Even though we may, we always say, we're still family, even though we may be distant cousins, we're all still family. <laughs> and we all are still there to support one another. Well, one thing a gentleman never does is, is a gentleman never asks a lady how old she is. So I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but <laughs> I do want to touch on the fact I, that that your your personal uh-huh. history uh, you were you were born into into segregation That's and correct. educated during segregation, uh, but yet yeah. you found your way uh, into Georgia Tech. You were one of the first African American graduates of Georgia Tech, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, a female. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the first female uh, African American graduates. Yes. Well, congratulations on on. Thank you. Uh, please just tell us about your educational journey uh, and and growing up during segregation. That's a, something that people my age and younger just cannot understand. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Well, um, I I when I I started to school in uh, K Spring. Uh, our elementary school there was E.S. Brown Elementary. They had built E.S. Brown. Fairview did serve the the students of K-Spring. They built E.S. Brown. E.S. Brown was named for uh, the principal of Fairview. And I went to uh, elementary school from from, uh, first through seventh grade there in K-Spring. After seventh grade, then we would go to Rome. Rome uh, went to Maine High School from from eighth through eleventh grade. Um, Love my experiences learning at ES Brown and at uh, Maine High School. Uh, then in uh, nineteen sixty seven, my uh, senior year at Maine High, uh, the schools in the area were desegregated. So. Um, So, therefore, we left Maine High and we went to K-Spring High School, which was a lot smaller than Maine High, to finish up the senior year. So, my... uh, But your your commute was a little shorter. Yes. Yes, (laughs) definitely. It would take us an hour and a half to get to to Maine High every day because we were... On the bus, we would go almost to Rome, then come back because it was only one bus for for uh, elementary and high school. Oh, we would wow. come back to to K Spring and and leave the elementary students. Then we would take the trip back to Rome to Maine High. So I, I made a lot of I took advantage of that time doing my lessons and studies while we were on 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 the bus. 
but uh, but we're moving to K-Spring. Um, I finished K-Spring as valedictorian uh, of the class. Congratulations. Um, I'm t- <laughs> you're, you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But we had a white valedictorian and a black valedictorian. And my cousin was salutatorian, but, and then we had a white salutatorian. But, and so then I went to undergrad. I left there. I got a pretty much full scholarship to Clark College, which is now Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, uh, to uh, Clark College. I majored in mathematics, always loved mathematics because of of my father's love of mathematics. So I uh, majored in mathematics. And then uh, as I was getting ready to graduate from Clark, um, my fourth year, my dear, uh, our dear head of the math department, uh, he was uh, he was like um, you and one of my other friends at, at college at that time. She, he was saying you you all need to go open doors. That's what he told us. And so we uh, neither one of us wanted to really leave the Atlanta area. So we both applied to Georgia Tech and Emory uh, for graduate school. And we both heard from Georgia Tech first, so we decided to go support one another and, 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 and go to Georgia Tech to graduate school. So that's how I ended up. I, got a, I had a teaching assistantship uh, while I was at Georgia Tech, so I was teaching classes and also attending classes. So when my friend and I finished, we were the first two African-American females to finish from Georgia Tech because, of course, Georgia Tech had, uh, there were black males there prior to that particular time. So you're, not only you're dealing with the, the, the bigotry of skin color, but also probably the bigotry of gender. Um, yes. So just uh, how tough a time was that in your life to focus on your education and having to deal with all that nonsense? Yeah. Um at at tech it was it was a trying I'll put it that way for sure um uh because I'll never forget one one day I walked in the classroom and was teaching a calculus class and and my I walked in one student say are you our teacher <laughs> you know so it was that type of thing and plus uh some of the professors themselves weren't weren't too uh, open to to us um, being there. I never forget one one example. Um, the gentleman that was over the teaching assistants, uh, just like uh, I was. Um, well, I had gone into the office. No one said anything. Um, anyway, I went to class, and one of the other the white. Uh, teacher's assistant was in the class with me, and she said, are you going to the funeral? And I said, what funeral? And so she told me that um, the gentleman that was, uh, you know, our supervisor had passed away. No one had said one word to me or said a word to um, Grace, my friend, about him passing away at all. And that was very, you know, that was very hurtful. That sort of remain with me uh today but uh you know we did go to his funeral and everything but so they were purpose so they were purpose idea how how you you're there but you're never apart you know right um mm-hmm. 
thankfully times have changed and continue to change. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so what, what was, was your career in teaching in mathematics? How does, how does, how do you become an author? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and history at that, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. So, uh, after, after I left, um, Georgia tech, I really, I worked, I started out with Bell South. Well, it was Southern Bell then and, and engineering. So that's, I, that was my first job after finishing. And I stay, I, I stayed there for, um, 22 years. I was, I kept telling myself I was leaving, I was leaving, I was leaving. But then when my, my, uh, two uh, children. I have a son and a daughter. Once they were out of high school, I decided, I said, okay, now I can focus on what I really want to do. So I went back to school at Mercer and got my teaching certification because while I was at um, with with uh, tele, uh, the telecommunications industry, I started tutoring, and I found out I could really make a difference in in children's lives. So I thought this is where I need to be. So I went back, got my teaching certification. I started teaching math at the high school level, but you know I kept going. I was like, okay, I still need to know more and more. Ended up I. Um, West Georgia with EDS, and then I went to Emory and and got my PhD in educational studies. Well, while I was at Emory in educational studies, um, program was excellent. Um, one of my professors, I had to do we had to do an empirical study on an African American um, uh, uh, history. So I decided to do mine on. The, the Black Georgia School for the Deaf. And that was that was my first book, but that was with one of my colleagues who was the pusher behind you need to tell this story. And uh and and so uh so we did a book on the Black Georgia School for the for the deaf. So that's what started me there. But I had started writing uh different books in, in the math area. I have a series called Musical Mathematics that how to incorporate music into teaching um, mathematics. Then, uh, so with with my colleagues' help I, and everything, I thought, well, I guess maybe I can do this. And knowing how the story, the story of a family like the Chubbs, um, really it is not told uh, that much and how important it seemed to be to the careers of the family, um, I decided to try, give it a try. Well, you are a remarkably accomplished woman, uh, <laughs> just uh, educationally, mathematically, intellectually, historically. Uh, when you were when you were researching the book, I imagine being in the family, there were probably stories passed down over the years that maybe grow into bigger than real life about this character or that person or uh, did you did you stumble across anything that you thought oh well that ended up just being a myth or did you stumble across a story that went wow I never knew that oh uh yes yes there there were um a few because some of our relatives would have said that the family bought their freedom and and like I said my mom always said she said they were always free so I I think we were able to determine that you know they were free, but, you know, 
they bought other slaves that became a part of of the family. So, um, so they that bought. Was a, they, just to clarify, they bought them with the intention of setting them free. That's right. Yeah, they didn't. Right. They didn't buy them to enslave. They bought them that's to right. give them their freedom. Yes, we. I uh, one of the. Um, well, this was Isaac's brother because I, and he moved to Tennessee, and I found the document where he had bought his wife, and and uh, the document read that you know if he passed away, she needed her freedom, but she was really his wife, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that was there. And, um, oh, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> there were a few interesting things. One of the interesting uh, documents we found was an invoice where the Confederate um, uh, Army that was stationed, they were in Cape Spring, paid Henry Chubb, who was a lot, one of uh, the eight brothers, paid Henry, Henry Chubb for uh, horsing, uh, um, shoe horsing. Uh, there. And so we had found that particular invoice. I thought that was interesting how that occurred. And then there was another story that was told about when Sherman uh, came, uh, 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 was coming south, that he came upon the community of of Chubtown. And and he found out it was a, a free Black community and he left it alone. But then later on, I found documents, even though it wasn't one of the Chubb brothers, it was a Chubb sister who was married to another gentleman that they had stole seven of his hogs. And uh, and he had filed a, a document after the Civil War to be uh, reimbursed for his hogs. And he was. So, <laughs> so the, the Union Army marched through. They didn't burn Chubbtown, but they stole seven hogs. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And, he, and he got reimbursed after the war. He got that reimbursed after the war. Yes, yeah. So that that was interesting. So, mm-hmm. any other documents that caught your eye? That oh, let's see. Oh, there, there was so. I'll tell you the other thing that really I never knew about registration. Uh, you know, until I start really reading doing research and 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 I thought well that means that that the Trump family had to be registered so just finding looking for those documents so I found where um Isaac's two of Isaac's brothers were registered but I couldn't find where Isaac was registered until um uh, uh, the gentleman genealogist that was helping me, uh, John, he said, I'm going to go look. The original, reg- they did not have them on film. They had uh, at the um, at the uh, uh, center, they had the original documentation uh, uh, registration rec- records. And, uh, and so, and they had them from from 1832 to 1850, where the family was registered. Uh, and I that was just uh, amazing to find those documents and to say, yes, you know, this really, really did happen. So, I mean, these the original written records that yes. have not been digitized, 
they still, I mean, so you're talking something that's almost, you know, it's 190 years old. Yes, that's right. They had not been digitized, no. So your research, how long did this book take you to, to with all the rec- research you had to do in, in genealogy tracing? I mean, you know so much just from your own family, but how long did it take you to put all this together and write the book? Well, it, it really took me from uh, about five years, you know, from um, the time of saying, I need to put this together together. Uh, because that's what I, I first started doing was cataloging everything that um, I had, my mother had, you know, just putting it cataloging from there. And then um, beginning to um, visit the different um, uh, research uh, facilities, et cetera, looking for, for information. And wh- the Georgia Archives was a big one for me. I spent a lot of time at the Georgia Archives and I spent a lot of time talking to different people uh, at other archives facilities in North Carolina and Virginia, etc. Where is so, the where is the Georgia Archives? The Georgia Archives is in Clayton County. Um, okay. Hey. Yeah. Uh, it's it's right. I I'm, I can't remember. It's right off of if you exit seventy five. It's it's near Clayton, uh, um, Clayton State University. Right. So that's where you found a lot of the the documents and records. That, yes. Yes. That's where I found the original uh, registration uh, records, etc. And then um, uh, then using I use which is now digitized um, a lot of the the property records and the real estate records and the deeds, et cetera. Um, I was able to use the Rome um, site website where they have all those uh, documents digitized and available. So um, I was able to find quite a few of the deeds and the deeds helped to track, helped me to track what was happening in the family because in some instances, the census records weren't weren't there. Like, for instance, in um, 1890, there wasn't any census records. So I think they got burned. So it was a um, there were gaps. You know, I was trying to fill. And and in the 1860 census, uh, I could find no record uh, of of the Chubb family in Rome, even though there were indications that they had left Morgan County because the number of free blacks in Morgan County had been reduced. Uh, but I didn't find any indication in the census in Rome there. Well, so. pl- plus you're also talking about multiple counties, Cedartown and, and Flo- uh, Polk and, and Floyd. Polk. Yeah. Yes, um, that's right. So that, mm-hmm. that that's just another layer of research that I'm sure you right. had, to, had to do. Uh, so, yeah. so for all intents and purposes, the, the community thrived in the late 1800s and into the early 1900s, and the, the, flood, the flood devastated it. And then there was, there was some just natural migration uh, of African-Americans right. northbound. Um, yes. So did it just kind, of, just kind of slowly go away because of that? Uh, but there's still plenty of Chubb family around? There, there's... Yeah, they're scattered everywhere. Now. <laughs> yeah, one's in Cleveland. Uh, one's in Cleveland. 
<laughs> yes, yes. There's there's family everywhere. A lot of and you know Ohio, um, Chicago. There's family everywhere uh, now, but there's still um, there's still Chup family in the Chup Town area. Uh, I was trying to think of a number to to put on it if I had to. I I I don't know. My estimate would be maybe about um, fifty or so. Um, family members are, are still around in the general area. There are there are definitely relatives in the Polk County in Cedartown, Rockmart, and and in Rome area also well, that uh, that moved to those particular areas. Mm-hmm. Do you find that um, the family DNA includes pride? about what your ancestors were able to do during the slave era and that 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 gives you for example the confidence to have lived the life that you have led because of this Chubb family DNA that you 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 went and got educated you were the valedictorian you went to Georgia Tech during uh t- turbulent times things like that does that come from your family DNA I I definitely would say that that's a part of the family DNA not only if you look at, um, uh, you know, what what I've done, if you look at the family in general, I, I always say there's an entrepreneur spirit that is deep in the family. Uh, you know, even my my children, you know, they they both have ventured out uh, on their own in different areas. So I think that that spirit of, um, of building, creating, um, the strong work ethic, I, I, you see that in Nick, right? And Bradley, as uh, they're playing uh, football, um, that it definitely is something that, has, it, that takes the family through to, to other levels. Yes. Well, Dr. Watley, thank you so much for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation. How can people get the book, The Chubbs? Uh, the book is available at Amazon. And it's also available um, at Barnes and Noble. Uh, we're also uh, um, selling the book at Educational Dynamics, which is a part of uh, my nonprofit organization, where proceeds from the sale of the book goes toward the upkeep of the church. And uh, and we're trying to uh, develop a, a visitor center there in Chubtown. So it goes for that and also the upkeep of the church. And that's uh, the name of the company is Educational Dynamics. Well, and it would also make a great uh, Christmas gift just for people yes. in, the, in the Northwest Georgia area. It's a, I mean, I, I think it will be a fantastic movie one day. Somebody should make uh, this into a movie. Why don't we do this, Dr. Watley? Oh, this sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah. let's get it done. Well, again, th- okay. thank you so much for your time. It is much appreciated. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you also. And you've been listening to Rome Business Radio. Our guest has been Dr. Clemmy Watley, the author of The Chubbs, a great story about Chubtown. I'm Roger Manus. Thank you for listening. We have been broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune.